this week and next week we are still parked in Ephesians 4 as we continue to ask uh, what does this text have to say to us about what the church is. Uh, last week we talked about how the church is a people gathered around Jesus seeking to be conformed into his image. One pastor that I've really come to respect over the last year or so is uh, Rich Villados, and, and he wrote this last week that the church is to be a rare, the rare place where confession of sin, forgiveness, and a call to justice is regularly put before the community. What this means is that when we, the church, come from our scattered lives each week, we come to be shaped into the way of Jesus, to confess our sins, and to be reminded of God's forgiveness, uh, to be reminded that you and I are not supposed to walk in the ways that are normal to our culture, but rather to walk in the way of Jesus. Walking in the way of Jesus means to live justly in this world. We, we come and gather so that we can be sent, reminded that the calling is to love God and love neighbor well. Sadly, so much of our Christian spiritual formation, particularly around our gatherings, has been focused on the spiritual experience uh, of what we hope to get from our time when we get together. We, we want to be encouraged. Was the sermon encouraging? Was it, was it, did it make me feel good? Did I have goosebumps when we sang the song? Uh, unfortunately, our, our individualism, our consumerism, our unholy focus on what I can get out of a church gathering is, is literally destroying the church and its witness. The church is not centered around you or me and what I like or what you like or what we want. It is centered around Jesus, the forgiveness of sins and the proclamation of the good news that Jesus is the king of the entire cosmos and that in him all things are being healed and restored. The, the church gathered is to remember that King Jesus is a king of justice. That all inequality and evil and racial prejudices and hierarchies that oppress people, uh, policies that marginalize the poor, the refugee, and the immigrant will be judged as evil, as anti-Christ. Uh, Jesus is the king of justice who stands on the side of the marginalized and calls his body, the church, to stand with him. The church is called to prophetically critique all governments and institutions and leaders as whenever they try to bend the scales of justice. To, to believe that Jesus is king is to believe that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. To believe that Jesus is king is to serve him and the way of his kingdom. To, to believe that Jesus is king is to declare that no power or authority here on earth or in the heavens is worthy of our worship or devotion. To be the church is to be a people formed in the way of forgiveness of sins and the call of justice. The call to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is the task of our gathering, to be shaped and formed and reminded of who Jesus is, who we are, and our task to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. So these are some of the marks of what it means in our communal identity, uh, as each one of and each one of us has a part to play in this. When we come together, it's not so that the pastor can stand in the front and tell us all these things week after week, right? When we come together, each of us plays a crucial role in the task of the church. 
So sometimes we try to answer the question, what is the church? By looking at Acts 2.42, where the believers gather for the apostles' teaching, for fellowship, meals, and prayer. And we go, we get really excited. We say, yes, that's what I want. I want to be part of an Acts 2 church. Let's make this the model for our church. However, as, as I've been thinking about it, it seems like this is actually the goal, not the way to get there. Uh, what's more, Acts 2 is actually missing some important elements of a healthy body and a healthy church. So then let's return to Ephesians 4, 11. It says there, Now these are the gifts King Jesus gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. This is often referred to as the apest gifts. These people are gifted by God for the building up of the church. But, but it's also been suggested is that these gifts, these people serving in this way, are markers of a healthy gathered community of Christians, a healthy markers of a church. So let's just spend some time walking through each of these gifts. The first one is the apostle. Apostles are the ones who are always looking out over the horizon uh, for those who do not yet know Jesus. They're the ones who are coming up with new ideas, who have a burning, burning passion within them. They're asking, why aren't we reaching out to the businesses in the north end of Saskatoon? Like, they're the ones who see new opportunities for the church to engage in, in the spreading of the gospel that Jesus is king. They are outward focused. They are entrepreneurial. They are quick to throw tradition out the window if it seems like it is holding the church back from where it should be. The prophets are the people who are constantly calling us to be faithful to the way of Jesus. They are pointing out the ways that we are compromising our faith to the culture around us. The prophets are the ones who remind us of the widows and the orphans and point out when our faith has become corrupted by ideas like God and country, uh, God and money, uh, God and anything else, really. I've been thinking a lot lately just about the role of the prophet in white evangelicalism. And I have a strong feeling that we've made a big mistake in what we think a prophet does, what a prophet says, and, and what a prophet is even. Like we have over-spiritualized the role of a prophet. We, we think of it as some sort of future-telling ministry. Or we think that the prophet will only address spiritual issues of the heart or the mind. But as we look at the Old Testament, we see that the call of the prophets is the call to justice. What, that the prophetic task is to remind people that their relationship to God cannot exist when they have been unjust to the widow or the orphan or the foreigner or the refugee, the homeless. The prophet reminds us that the faithfulness to God means being faithful to the poor and the oppressed. The, the church today needs people who are passionate about social justice. And it's not a matter of social justice or the gospel. They, it is the same thing. The, the calling of the church is to be engaged in these issues of social justice. If you care deeply about women and children who are victims of human trafficking, if you're passionate about housing for homeless people, let me suggest to you that you are one of the prophets that God has placed in the church to move us to greater faithfulness. The gospel, the good news that Jesus is king, is not only a justification by faith or a message that we get to go to heaven one day. The gospel that Jesus is king is the good news that Jesus is bringing healing and restoration and freedom to the world now. The church and our witness is the way in which we work to heal this land. The other just sort of overly ignored role of the prophet is that the prophets are gifted by God with the gift of encouraging, supporting, building up the church 
church through words and actions that encourage the body to keep it moving forward. And so if you are a gifted encourager, you just say, I want to encourage people, you may also have the gift of prophecy. The evangelist is the one who is speaking the good news of King Jesus. They are, they speak uh, well and clear. They declare the good news of salvation, of redemption, of ransom, of adoption to those who are in need of a heavenly father who welcomes his children home. The evangelists are the ones who are burdened for all the people who are not gathered into the family of God yet. Shepherd is the one who's working to bring about that reconciled community. The, the reality is that um, apostles and evangelists can get pretty excited and pumped up to go and fulfill the Great Commission. And sometimes in their enthusiasm, they run over and wound a whole bunch of others in the community. And so we need shepherds to hold us together. They love the tradition that holds people together. And they don't want to just see it tossed over like the apostles. Uh, they they want to help bring healing and wholeness to the body. They're the ones who want to pray for you, spend time baking and bringing tea to your house to sit with you. Uh, they are the ones who believe in the unity of the church and they don't want to see anyone excluded or hurt or left behind. The, the shepherd is the one who is counting to see who slipped away, who's missing, who haven't I seen in a few weeks. Uh, they care for those around them. Uh, the other word for shepherd is pastor, but, but don't hear that as a title, but rather as a role, right? I have the title of pastor in my job, but, but I'm not sure that I have the gifting uh, for the body of being a pastor. Fortunately, though, we have lots of good pastors in our congregation who make up for my weaknesses, which is a good, healthy body. Uh, finally, teachers are those who bring the deep wisdom, uh, teaching to the body. We, we see in Ephesians 4 that growth doesn't happen without good teaching of the truth. Teachers are the gifted people who remind us that Jesus is the truth. They help us discern the way of Jesus in a culture that is unfaithful to Jesus. Teachers show us how to walk in the way of Jesus when that means going against the flow. And so then a, a church is a gathered people centered around Jesus in which all of these gifts are present and being used for the building up of the body for the sake of the world. When one of these things is missing, we know that the church isn't healthy. When we have only shepherds, we become ingrown and we, we fail to look to the horizon of, of what God is doing, the new thing that God is doing. We miss the opportunities to tell of Jesus. If we're all evangelists, we, we miss out on discipling the new believers into the depth and knowledge of Jesus. So we need shepherds and teachers to, to teach these new believers what it means to walk in the way of King Jesus. And on it goes. Each person, each part, building up the body of Christ. Each person living in submission to Jesus as the head, and then living out what it means to love God and love neighbor and impact the world with care for the community and faithfulness to God and the things that are close to the heart of God. So I, I found these markers of a healthy church to be really helpful. It, it moves me beyond hoping to be part of a community, community that eats together, that teaches the scripture, that prays and meets together, right? Each of these things from Acts 2 finds their place. Each of these things happens, but they happen not because the pastor, uh, or because of a pastor or an organization legislates it or plans it or organize it. it. It happens because there are teachers in the body who are teaching. There are shepherds in the body who are making meals and bringing people together. There are people joining because there are apostles and evangelists who are going out and bringing new people into the community. The church is engaged in the justice issues of the day because the prophets are moving us into action. 
So let me suggest that, to, that Acts 2 is the result of a healthy body in which everyone in the congregation sees where they fit within these five gifts and they are living and serving Jesus and each other out of that gifting. When we see this, when we, when we do this, then we are a healthy body. When we are the body, then we are the body of Christ. If we start with trying to replicate Acts 2 first, then we're just dumping out all the puzzle pieces on the table and wondering why we don't have a complete puzzle. We quickly become dis disappointed that we aren't experiencing that kind of community. But, but we'll never experience that kind of community unless we first understand our role and our gift and begin to play our part in forming it. So it seems to me then that the first two steps to being faithful, healthy church are this. That as individuals, we understand that we are part of the body. That we understand what our gifts are. And once we understand that, we can begin to see the way we live out Ephesians 4.16. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing. So I'll say more next week about how we discover our gifts and what um, how some of these other gifts that we read about in scripture fit within Apes. But, but to close, let me just say this. Uh, you are necessary to this body. Your gifts are needed. Uh, maybe you don't know what they are. Maybe you are afraid to use them. Maybe you've been burned by a church leader who wasn't willing to let you use your gifts or felt threatened by you. But you are necessary to this body and your gifts are needed. The Holy Spirit has gifted you and equipped you to help the church grow. And you are needed. And we want to help you find your gifts and use them to strengthen the body, to make us healthy, that we can grow and we can see uh, God do good things through this body. So that's all we have for this week. Grace and peace.